Oh my goodness. I am so pumped that you are here. Sis, welcome. Welcome to Confessions of a High Strung Woman. Welcome to a podcast filled with sass, spunk, belief, the pursuit of freedom, and hopefully just a whole lot of humor and life. My name is Abby Walker, and I am so honored that you would take some time out of your crazy busy day, and let's be honest, it's always crazy busy, to just spend some time talking a little bit about life as a high-strung woman. This isn't necessarily where I thought I was going to be, (laughs) I have to be really honest with you guys. Um, Starting a podcast was not really on my list. I'm an artist. I'm a singer and a songwriter and a performer by trade. And music is totally the place where I feel the most alive. That's what I do. That's my job. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. But recently, I have found myself in kind of this super crazy place of talking a lot more and sharing a lot more about my experience as a high-strung woman. That phrase isn't something that I even necessarily made up. It's just something that I honestly heard a lot. Like, girl, you are high strung. Like, that is a lot. Like, my favorite, for the love of God, woman, will you tone it down? Yeah, yes, sir. I, I would like to tone it down, but I'm, I just can't. I'm really, really sorry. Um, I am the living, walking, breathing <laughs> definition of a high strung woman. And for most of my life, I thought it was bad. I thought it was wrong. And I heard back from all of the people around me that I was too emotional, that I was too strong, that I was too intense. And at the same time, I was too sensitive. Um, That'll confuse you really, really quick. Our understanding of how people work and especially of how women work, I got to say, is pretty freaking shallow. Like it's, it doesn't take into account the unique complexities that God has put and designed in all of us. So a couple of years ago, in between doing shows and being out on the road, um, I was processing. And as a creative, as an artist, um, when I process things, I tend to create, I tend to write. And so a lot of times I write in my journal, sometimes I write songs, um, sometimes I just write music. And on this particular day, I was realizing that I am a high-strung woman, and I wrote a blog kind of just outlining, man, this is how I've been my whole life. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that it's bad and that it's wrong, but I'm finally coming to a place where I think that's a bunch of BS, and I'm learning better how to care for myself as somebody who operates at a really higher, intense level. For example, um, I'm somebody who has, you know, all of the feelings, Like, not all of the feelings over the course of my life. I mean, I may have all of the feelings in the course of, like, 10 minutes. I mean, I can go from angry to happy, from sad to hopeful. I mean, we can run the gamut of the whole thing. And, like, God bless the men in our lives because, like, I will make their head spin. Like, not even on purpose. (laughs) But that's just one of the things that can happen. In addition, I'm very strong and I care very, very deeply about things. And I don't mean strong like I push people around. I mean, there's a um, strength and a fire inside of me that 
I have experienced in places of things that I care about. And I think one of the challenges for me, and maybe for some of you out there listening, is that I cared a lot about everything. Like, everything. For as long as I can remember, I have felt things deeply, and I think far more intensely than the average person. Definitely more than the men around me, and a lot of times more than some of the other women or girls around me. And you can wrap whatever name around that that you want. There's a lot of great great literature on being a highly sensitive person. Uh, There's a lot of stuff out there about being extremely discerning or carrying other people's burdens. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But for me, it's been this unique combination of spirit, strength, sensitivity, and just a really high operating level. Um, a good way to explain it is if I walk into a room and everybody has their boombox, okay? Like we're going through life. It's a little bit of an, an analogy, so follow with me. If I've got my boombox on my shoulder and I walk into a room full of other women with their boombox on their shoulders, I come in and I've got like Beyonce who run the world on like a level 12, okay? Um, everybody else in that room that I walk into is like, they're rocking like Dillard's elevator music at like a four. Maybe we got some girls rocking a little Taylor Swift, like not look what you made me do Taylor Swift, but more of like Romeo save me, like curly haired Taylor Swift. Uh, they're rocking her at like a six. And Um, I come in with my loud self blaring and I don't just mean volume. I don't just mean that I'm loud. I am loud, but that's, that's not, that's not the only thing. Um, I can't turn it down. It's at a 12 and y'all, that's not even the highest that it can go, but I'm at a 12 and I can't turn it down and I would like to, but in an instant I've made everybody in the room uncomfortable. I'm challenging all of the norms and the the fundamental role I feel like sometimes between, you know, cultured women is like you never make anybody else uncomfortable. Like you never challenge anybody. There are just things that you don't talk about. And that's fine. I'm not trying to bash that. What I'm saying is like I didn't fit. And for most of my life, I heard and I experienced that as ab, you're too much. You're too much. And at the same time, you're not enough of the things that we like. You're too much of the things that we don't like, and you're not enough of the things that we do like. Um, One of the things that I talk about a lot, and that I'm even going to come back and talk about next week, is in churches, they teach a lot about the gentle and quiet spirit. And y'all, there wasn't a damn thing about me that was gentle or quiet. I was strong and I was loud. And I learned very quickly that my natural tendencies and my personality, it it didn't go over well with most people. And I was wildly misunderstood and typically got the response of like, I needed to be dominated and told what for and all that kind of stuff. And um, I desperately wanted connection because we as women desperately want connection and friendships. And so I dedicated my life to smoothing out my rough edges, to making myself less passionate and making myself more likable. And I got really good at it. I think that one of the things as women is like, we're smart, we're crafty and we're like, okay, so this is the game. I got hurt because I didn't play the game right. Okay, well watch this because I'm about to master the game and show you all. You will never hurt me again because not only will I never step out of line again, I'm about to become the enforcer of the game. And I did that. And not because 
I was trying to betray myself, not because I even really wanted to dislike myself, but because I didn't want to be in pain. I didn't want to be in rejection anymore. And the result of that was that in my 20s, I found myself completely lost. Like naturally, I have a very strong sense of direction and a very strong sense of spirit and strength and passion. And I had beaten myself down so far that I couldn't even remember who I was or what I liked. Like I'm, I am so not being dramatic. Like there was a summer when I was like, Lord, I I don't even, I can't even remember what I like or I don't like anymore. I've spent so much of my life trying to be what everybody wanted me to be that I can't remember. And I legit had like pages in my journal that were like things I like. I like guacamole. I like sunshine. I like margaritas. I don't like people who are judgmental. Don't like people who criticize but never find a solution. Like, I I don't like olives, you know? I mean, I know that sounds really sad, but that's how lost I was. Part of the reason or part of the way that I got there is that when you reject yourself at that fundamental of a level that everything about you is wrong, you lose who you are. You lose the anchors that are immovable parts of who you are that are tied to your creator, that are tied to the one who made you. So I was working on a chapter in uh, my book this last week. I'm about halfway through Confessions of a High Strung Woman, the book. And I got to say, writing a book is super overwhelming and I'm still learning what in the world I'm doing. But um, I can remember the first time I saw the movie Frozen right? Shout out to the movie Frozen. It was a movie made for kids that like, ladies, I mean, it did it not just hit us straight in the chest. I mean, I hadn't seen it. And my mom, I remember called and was like, Abby, have you seen Frozen? And I was like, that's not really how she talks, but you know what I mean? And I was like, no mom, I haven't seen Frozen. I've had, you know, I've been on tour. I've got some things going on. She's like, you have to watch it. You just, you just, it's so you. I don't even know that she used those words, but I watched it and was like, this is so me. So first of all, I would like to say a major, I would like to throw out there a major shout out to Frozen and the song Let It Go. I am completely convinced that more women, more moms, more more wives, more sisters, more whatever, sat in their cars, their minivans and their Tahoes, and bawled their eyes out to let it go than maybe anything else. Maybe even than Adele's breakup album, okay? It was like somebody gave us permission and wrote us a theme song to let it go. We've been trying so hard. We're trying to control all of the things. Nothing is ever good enough. We never get to let ourselves feel or or yell or scream or go or whatever. And so y'all, I mean, did we not just sit in our cars and cry to let it go, let it go? <laughs> I mean, I know I did, but I watched that movie and I remember, and I'm watching Elsa and she discovers she's got her like wildly insane, super ice power. And at first it's like, oh, this is cool. And then she immediately realized that it had the capacity to hurt people, people like her little sister, people like herself. So what does she do? She wears gloves and she tries to control it. And after one too many accidents, she's like, listen, I have one choice. I've got to leave. 
isolate myself from everybody and I've got to haul it on up the mountain and I'm going to build myself an ice fortress and a castle. And that's where she sang the Let It Go song. And if we weren't all a little bit like, if I couldn't have an ice castle all to myself for just a little bit of time, I mean, sign me up. But the part of it that I connected with was, I was like, first of all, Elsa, you're my girl. Like, we're twins. I, too, have this crazy, insane superpower that I can't control and that seems to hurt people and hurt myself. And I don't want to hurt anyone. So it seems like my only option is to do exactly what you've done. Like, you, two, two questions. Do you have a spare set of ice gloves, okay, that contain your superpower? And two, can I come live with you in your ice castle? That seems like a great idea. And I laughed so hard thinking like, that's what we do. And then at the same time, I was like, man, if, if there's, if you need proof that we have a real living prowling enemy that wants to shut us down, ladies, especially high strung women whom God has gifted tremendously, you don't have to look any further than that. All he has to do is convince us that we're bad, unstable, angry women, and we will sideline ourselves. Like we will take ourselves out of the game. We will shut down everything that's going on inside of us, including the things that are good, because we just can't risk the thought of not just hurting other people, but also being hurt and being rejected. And that was like, I mean, you know, that Disney movie was practically prophetic in my life. <laughs> it just it just was because I so identified with that place. And the Lord really began to do a work of like, we're going to work this out. We are not going to live in inner turmoil and conflict and war and hating ourselves anymore. And um, that honestly started for me because I, I got so freaking tired. So not only was I lost in my 20s, right? Like, who am I? What do I like? Okay, I like guacamole and sunshine and margaritas. Okay, good. Uh, I like I like Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I struggle with churchiness. Because for me, the thing is, once you taste and once you know a real personal relationship with Jesus, the fluff, like the other stuff... It, it, it's not even close to the same. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not even close to being the same. So I worked really hard to change everything about myself. I was living up in my ice castle like Elsa. And the truth is, is that I just got insanely worn out. I was beating myself into submission to be everything I thought I was supposed to be. And I was still not doing it right. It still wasn't enough. And I was depressed. Like, let's just be honest. I was beat down, completely disillusioned, felt totally defeated and fundamentally that everything about me was wrong and it was hopeless. And I can remember just coming to the Lord and basically just being like, listen, I know everything about me is wrong according to, I don't know, everyone around me. And I've done everything that I can to try and change everything about myself, but I am exhausted. I can't even drag myself across this floor. I'm so beat up from my own, my own sticks, my own chains, my own things that I've been doing to try to beat myself up. And, and Lord, 
maybe everything about me is wrong, but I also remember you also saying that you made me, that you formed me in my mother's womb and that what you made is good. So you and I, we, we got to work this out because I can't live like this anymore. And I can learn to listen to you and to tune out other people's voices. Like I, I feel like I can figure that out, but I've got to hear from you. And because he's a good, good father, he answered in power and in love to my worn out, beat up heart. And we began to walk through this process of separating what other people had told me was God and who he says he was. We began to separate what other people wanted and needed me to be versus who he made me to be and the things that I did love and that did light up my soul. So one of those big first scary steps for me was stepping out of the Christian music world. I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in a household that only listened to Christian music. Um, it was not all good. It was not all bad, but it was definitely not all good. And uh, if you're not familiar, let me break it down for you. I grew up with Point of Grace, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, uh, the Gaithers, the Cathedrals. My dad loved him, some old like Southern gospel quartets. God bless him. Um, that is pretty much all that I heard. I mean, even DC Talk was kind of on, it was edgy. Okay, because not all of the lyrics were like overtly scriptural. Okay, they didn't, <laughs> didn't come straight from the Bible. But I loved music. Music has always been something that I really, really connected to. And I did several gospel records and I traveled and I led worship. And I don't know how to explain this other than I love Jesus and I love music, but Christian music was not, it wasn't the right place for me. I kept just beating my head into a wall. And I came to like this major crossroads where I had, you know, a, basically a record label that was supposed to bring me in to do a showcase, uh, to sign a record deal, a Christian label. Like I was going to make it a Christian contemporary Christian music record. And it was right before I was in the fall of 2008 and we had done everything but by my flight and the market crashed and everything went nuts. And they called and were like, listen, we just can't do this right now. Our roster's full. And I was devastated. I mean, I had worked my tail off to get to that point. And here we were, total dead end, crushed dreams. And I was like, Lord, are you freaking kidding me? I've done everything I was ever supposed to do. This was supposed to be my chance. And it just floored me. I mean, it, it took me out for a hot minute. The crazy thing was, in the middle of that happening, the Lord is working stuff out in me in terms of who I am, who he is, what our, like my relationship with him looks like. Not what anybody tells me it should look like, but what my very honest, real authentic relationship with him looked like we start working through who I am as a woman. And I realized that I had crushed and neglected and cut off so many parts of my strength and my personality because it didn't fit the Christian music mold or the church mold. And I found myself bravely stepping into this place of, I'm going to attempt to make a country record. 
And um, it was insanely scary for me. I was afraid of embarrassing my dad. I was afraid of the messages I would get. Being a pastor's kid and being the oldest, it didn't just mean that there was pressure on me to please my parents. It meant that I had several hundred sets of parents watching me at any given moment and wanting me to be an example to their kid. And for me to step away from leading worship, which, which from their perspective was God's work, to singing in honky-tonks, which was the devil's work, just, I mean, their heads exploded, okay? I got messages about I was leaving God. How could I set this kind of example? My embarrassing worldly music. I mean, you know, all of these things. And luckily, the Lord, I feel like, had just really prepared me, and I knew that they didn't have to get it because it wasn't their business, Um and that the Lord would work that out. I could trust him with my reputation. It was really hard some days, um, but he was so, so faithful in that place. But I also knew that I wasn't going to the honky-tonks to be anyone other than me. I was still going to be me. I was still Abby, who loves Jesus and who loves the real Jesus, and honestly, who loves honest conversations with people and especially with women about freedom and health and truth in our lives. And I got to tell you, the craziest cool thing happened in that I had more like gut-wrenchingly honest, amazing conversations with people at the back of a honky-tonk over a Coors Light than I ever had at the end of my girls' Bible studies. I mean, It was like the Lord was like, I have made you to be you, and this is where I've called you. And oh, by the way, all of those things that you disdained and you tried to crush and that you said were bad, those are the exact things I gave you to step into this unique place that will require both your strength and your stubbornness. That has been a little part of my story of of basically what I would call like the healing of my heart as a high strung woman, the healing of my relationship with myself and the change, the massive drastic change from I need to change everything about myself to man, I don't, I haven't understood myself and I need to, I not only do I need to understand, I want to learn how to take care of her. Like I want to learn how to bring out the very, very best in her. When you have a Maserati engine inside of your chest, ladies, um, it's so much power that it requires a master to drive it and to take care of it, okay? Um, you don't give the 16-year-old who just is learning how to drive the keys to a Maserati and expect them to be able to figure it out. I don't know what your background, I don't know what your upbringing was, but I can tell you that I didn't learn some of the the things that have been hugely impactful in my life and taking care of myself, that I didn't learn those things from my family or even from the other people around me. Um, But I got to tell you, when you're a high-strung woman, when you have intense emotions and feelings and a brain that never stops and your operating system is just pedal to the metal, like girl, you have to learn how to take care of yourself or you will burn out and your strength will come out in what I would call like inappropriate ways. Our passion gets misplaced and we end up hurting people and we don't want to, but it's because if all we're doing is repressing, repressing and stuff down and stuff down, it, it doesn't go away. 
And not only do those feelings not go away, they intensify. It's like you're holding the hose and you bend the hose to hold back the water. And then the minute that you let it go, it just like explodes. The pressure builds up. That to me is one of the best descriptions of a high strung woman. She's a woman with a lot of pressure inside of her. Now, when you can funnel, direct, guide that power, you can do incredible things. But if you don't know how, you're going to suffer. It's going to be hard. And I'm just telling you, I took one for the team here and I suffered a great deal. But the amazing thing is, is that there's so much hope here in learning how to take better care of ourselves, learning how to be not just like present, but to celebrate. I mean, what a gift, right? What a gift that God has given us. We have a taste of his own holy passion inside of us. And, you know, you need it to raise that baby. You need the strength of spirit that's God, that God has given you to start that business against all odds. I mean, you need that level of belief to stay married to that husband that's driving you crazy. We need those things. But the enemy sidelines us by making us at war with ourselves. And... I'm here to say no more. No more being at war with myself. No more feeling like I have to apologize in every way for who and what I am. No more of that. Today, we are going to lay down our weapons and we're going to stop fighting ourselves and spending all of our energy trying to be something other than what we are. And we're going to learn to realize and appreciate all that we do have. And I, my life has just been lit up with this desire to learn how to bring out the best in myself and my personality, like to, to know and understand the things that work and don't work. My heart here is literally just to share some of my story. My heart here is literally to just be an example somewhere in your life that there's hope and there's joy, and there's freedom, and there's so much more, and that there's so much for you as a woman. And to be more as a woman and to walk in more freedom doesn't mean that we have to run away from or hate or rebel against the things in our lives, like marriage and raising kids and jobs and and, and just life. We can lean into those places with a greater understanding of who and what God has given us. And we can harness the power that he's put inside of us to fundamentally challenge and change our world. And I got to tell you, ladies, I mean, if he has made us to do nothing else, it is to change our world. We not, may not be able to change the entire world, but we can love our kids well and we can love our husbands well and we can show up in hard places and we can not give up when all odds are against us and we can stand in agreement and say, Lord, show up, show yourself big. This is a place where I need you to not just show up. I need you to show off. And we can be the shining, beautiful, brilliant reflection of our creator that is a high, strong woman. So the Lord has made us as women with an incredibly powerful, unique engine. And the reason that he put that inside of us is because it's it's how he equips us to do the things that he's called us to do. 
one of my favorite things that I've grown to understand is that who we are, when we find that who we are is in conflict with the life that we're living, I don't believe, I believe that that is a sign where we're out of alignment with what the Lord has for us. That in being fully ourselves, it will only make us better and more strongly equipped in the specific things that he is going to call us to do, the things that he has called us to do. And that is just, to me, it's so insanely cool because part of how he reveals himself and how he reveals the places that he's called us is by us learning and understanding better how he made us and what lights our soul on fire, what gets us excited, the places where we're strong. I mean, it makes sense, right? He's a good father. He's a brilliant creator. He's the master architect. And so he didn't give you a massive strength of spirit to have to go be super quiet and never say anything. He gave you that strength to give you a strong voice because he knew he was going to need a strong voice that would carry out in your classroom or in your home or in praying for the healing of your family. That's just a really cool place where we meet God. And it's not in denying and rejecting ourselves. It's in being fully who he made us to be. And that in that place as his creation, we learn better and become so much more aware and and understand better our creator. So I'm going to close today out um, with a really cool thought. Uh, It's cool to me anyways. I grew up uh, knowing one other Abby that existed in the world, and that was actually Dear Abby. And uh, if you are a baby millennial and you don't know, you know, what newspapers are (laughs) or who Dear Abby is, um, it was a column that ran nationwide. It was basically just an advice column where people would write in with their questions and concerns. And it could be everything from, oh my gosh, I hurt my friend's feelings. Abby, how do I get her to talk to me again? To, I spilled a bottle of wine on my fancy white lace tablecloth. Help, how do I get it out? And um, although I won't be much help with like getting stains out, I would really, really love to hear your stories. I would really, really love to hear about what it is that you find yourself struggling with as a high-strung woman. And it can also be, I would love to hear from you if you're like, I'm not a high-strung woman, but I'm married to one. Like, how do I love her through this? Or what does this mean? Um, Or I'm not a high-strung woman, but my best friend is, or my sister is, or I just can't deal with friendships. And I don't know if I'm a high-strung woman, but man, I could just use some help. Girl, send it my way. I would love to hear from you. You can send me a message on Facebook, on Instagram, Um, you can go to my website. Um, you can always just shoot me an email at abbywalker at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you and, um, get a little bit more direction on some of the things that you would find helpful to talk about. And lastly, I just want to say, sis, I'm so proud of you. I'm so honored that you would spend some time here. And and to quote one of my all-time favorites, it's a combination of both Teddy Roosevelt and Brene Brown, daring greatly, being in the arena, showing up bravely for our lives is literally just that. Like it is showing up and it is letting ourselves be known. And so in these places where you're, you've adjusted who you are, where you've 
denied who you are, where you've changed who you are so that other people will like you better. I just want to dare you to like lay that down, to abandon and not pick up again the tools that you've used to beat yourself into submission so that other people will like you. Because sis, listen, you don't need everybody to like you. Like that is, that is a crazy powerful lie that has been perpetuated through generations and generations of women. Like we're not supposed to make anybody uncomfortable. Don't make anyone uncomfortable and everybody needs to like us. That's just not true. And the crazy thing about it is when you're fully and authentically who you really are, everybody's not going to be your cup of tea. And so if everybody likes you, like flat out, are you really being you? I mean, I know that's super controversial, but just... Just take that in for a second. Here's the flip side. You don't ever have a chance at really being known, at really being loved for who you are if you're constantly managing who people see you as and who you want them to know you to be. And the flip side of that is in our courage to stand up and to say, this is really who I am. I'm a hot freaking mess today, but this is my story and I'm going to dare to be known. Like not just randomly, I'm going to go to somebody I can trust and I'm going to dare to be known in a deeper way than maybe I've ever let myself be known before. Because sis, that is part of what gives us courage. It is something that we desperately need. It's something that I have to have in my life. I have to have people in my life that will call me on sit are where are you 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 are you alive do you need me to come over and stick your face in cold water and then take you to a patio where you can eat guacamole sit in the sunshine and drink drink margaritas to be reminded that you do in fact love some things about life that's those are the people that i need i don't need the people who are like oh i mean are you okay oh okay well it's an unspoken prayer request well i'll just be praying for that unspoken prayer request no says i need people down in the trenches helping because to me This life is so much about the joy that is found in freedom. And freedom is something that we fight for and that we show up for and that we dare greatly to pursue. And in that place, we know and experience Jesus. And we also know and experience great community, great relationship, great connection with people who love us for who we really are. So we don't need everybody to like us. We need the right people. We need our people to like us. And that's the crazy cool thing. When your people love you, they love you for you. And they will call you out when you're not being you. And yes, Lord, do we not need some more of that. I'm so honored that you would spend some time with me today. And I just, I can't wait to keep walking down this journey and talking more about all of this because y'all, I mean, it just lights me up inside. Like, the thought of being able to share a story or a perspective that in some way rattles some chains on one of my fellow high-strung woman's hearts, like to set her free, like, come Lord, let's do it. Sign me up all day, every day. Thank you so much for being a part of Confessions of a High-Strung Woman. And I am Abby Walker, and I will talk to you next week.